Man, it feels like just yesterday where I introed a podcast by saying, ladies and gentlemen, it's officially the off season. But guess what? We've come full circle, and it is officially wiffle ball season. Oh, how time flies, Jack. Oh, how time flies. Time flies, man. I feel like you just doing that intro, like I felt like I don't know where all the podcasts we recorded in the offseason well, went. Like you said, like I just feel like we did the one where we started the offseason mm-hmm. and then all the all these ones that we've been doing just sort of blend together. And now here we are. We're back to square one. Season starting again. So excited. Well, you know, I'm trying to remember back. Obviously, it's hard. A lot of these episodes kind of blend together in my head. But um, I want to say that when I intro the podcast with the whole it's the offseason thing, it was probably post-World Series upload, which was in November. So the offseason mm-hmm. probably does seem really short, basing it off of that one memory. But either way, it's felt short. Like, it's just yeah. it's always just surreal, like, going back to the meadows and setting up things and recording. It's just, I don't know. It's Me and Kyle always say, like, we just had this conversation recently where... I always look back on a season and I'm thinking like, did we really do that? Like, how did that even happen? And that kind of thing. But we did it. And yeah, guys, uh, season has started as you guys, I'm sure saw, um, we played opening day on Sunday, May 1st, um, another memorable day at the Meadows. Uh, it's all I really want to say about it. For those who tuned into the IG live, I'm sure you saw the, the game one dramatics. And if you have not tuned in, um, it is uploaded on our Instagram. If you wanted to watch the full video, or if you prefer the full production of the YouTube channel and like to be no spoilers there, then go ahead and wait for Friday at 4 p.m. But what a first game it was. What a series it was. And um, Jack, unfortunately, was not able to be there. Jack is still out on the East Coast. But uh, that's why I had to turn to my right-hand man this evening. Um, Dirty Dan is in the building. What's going on? <laughs> I, was waiting, I was waiting for the intro. I really dragged that out. What's Dan's, going on? Dan's sitting over there across the table from me, guys, just looking at me with his big beady eyes like, Tom, Tom, give, give me a shout out. <laughs> I had to wait, make a I didn't want to just minutes. jump in. I, no, no, that was perfect, Dan. That was no, perfect. but it's, honor, it's an honor to be back on. It's been a while. It has. Dan, you know, Dan, uh, as I transitioned into the one of the hosts of this podcast, Dan was there from the beginning. You know, before we had Jack on full time, Dan was there alongside me. He supported me, so uh, it's good to have Dan back. Dan's done with his sophomore year. Yeah. Congratulations, Dan! Yeah, it's Dan. Dan, it's a the tough college year. man. It was a long year, long year. College man, Dan. I mean, it is crazy. Dan's already halfway done with his undergrad now. Yeah. We're so old. Jack, I don't want to think about that. Jack, in like yeah, ten, that's insane. In like ten days, I'll be twenty three. It's just we're getting so old so fast. We're st- I'm still I guys I understand that I'm young. If you're listening to this and you're older than me, but in like you also have to think though in certain ways you are old. Like your teenage years are well past you. You're not longer a college student. I'm a full year out of college. 23 is old. That's like full on adult. <laughs> it's not like yeah you're ah, full on just adult. in college. 23 is full on adult. I, I forget who said it, but I thought it was funny when you said. You're nine years older than Trey, yeah. and you just couldn't Crazy. believe that. I can't believe that yeah. either. Yeah, nine we, years older? Yeah, yesterday as we sat and chatted post-game at the local Chili's, as we tend to do in MLW, um, I was joking about, yeah, how old I am and stuff like that. And I was telling them, though, like, I do, I may have even said this on the show before, but I do feel mature, like, in a lot of ways. I don't know, just maybe everyone feels that way, but, like, as you grow older, of course, you feel like you've learned more and you've matured, like, emotionally, whatever. But... Then, yeah, I'm hanging out with Trey and Landon or whatever at these games, and they're like, yeah, 
eight, nine years younger than me, and it's like I'm hanging out with my boys. <laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy. It's so weird. I feel it the same crazy. way. I feel like yeah, he's just That's another kid, but he's six years younger than me. Probably a disservice yeah. in life that I hang out with fourteen-year-old kids and have a great time with them. But I mean, hey, it keeps you young. Keeps me young. They keep me. Exactly. Uh, they keep me young. But um, let's talk about spring training, as that was actually the first time I've talked to Landon and Trey in a while since our tournaments and on the podcast guests. Um, overall, a great day of wiffle ball, as you guys saw in the video. Um, beautiful day. Could not complain with the weather whatsoever. It was like 80 degrees. I think we all got a it little bit It looked a little sunburned. windy. It was windy, Jack, windy? but that's, that's kind of expected um, at this time of the year, especially like for wiffle ball purposes. You don't really notice it when mm-hmm. you're just out and about doing things, but wiffle ball, like anything over 10 mile per hour winds, even if it's like a quote-unquote breeze, is you know much more than that in, in this sport. So... Usually in the first, you know, spring training in the first slate of games, we always we're typically seeing wind. If you guys go back in the videos, you'll notice it, and if you actually pay attention for it. So, but uh, Dan was there for spring training too, and before we even talked about the games, Daniel, I wanted to just talk to you about the the production woes of the day. Like, I think um, we underestimate as a group. We really felt it this year more so. But spring training is designed to be. Um, you know, just for the players to get out there and to interact again and to kind of get loose so we're not um, totally embarrassing ourselves when the, uh, when the meat and potatoes of the season get started. So it's, it's good for that regard. But from a quote-unquote YouTuber slash production standpoint, man, we needed spring training. There was a yeah, lot of stuff 100%. that went wrong, some of it in our control, some of it out of our control. Like, for example, Jack, we get there, we're all prepped, um, and the teams for spring training kind of came together late. As you guys probably saw, we uh, ended up going with the Diamond Cats and the Elerds plus Jorgie. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that was all planned to an extent. Um, we had those rosters finalized like less than 24 hours beforehand, just trying to see who could come and that kind of thing. Um, I guess I'll take partial responsibility for that. But anyway, Jorgie was just one of those guys who I also had texted and I got a yes back from, but then didn't think anything else of it. And I told Kyle, I was like, oh, Jorgie's in. We're like, okay, cool. That was it. Like, we never discussed it again. And then he didn't make my next list of guys I sent. So he shows up, and Kyle's like, wait, Jorgie's here? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, Jorgie. Jorgie told me he'd be here. <laughs> so then it became Elerts plus Jorgie. That's so funny. <laughs> but it was nice. cool. So that was one thing. Then we're setting up. We're already, like, behind schedule because, like I said, we're working out the kinks. You know, the intro's taking more takes than usual. Um, getting the field set up is taking longer than normal. We go to set up our brand new GoPro in the outfield. Thing won't turn on. Brand new. And I'm like, like Kyle's stressing out about it. I'm like, dude, just scrap it. Let's just get an iPhone out there <laughs> and get moving. Like, there was just so many things that unfortunately went wrong, which you probably wouldn't even really notice if you're watching the video, because right. that's the beautiful thing about it not being a live, a live event. It's you know it's edited, so all those things can be kind of cut out. But I mean, it was it was far from smooth, but. We were prepared enough to where everything was okay. You know what I mean? I mean, right. To our defense, we were kind of understaffed because we were all playing. That's the problem. So like, too. I didn't have a specific role. So like, I felt like I was slacking because I wasn't helping out with filming or taking pictures or mm-hmm. doing anything like that. And like, I think all of us were worried about playing the game. Like, I was gonna ask you like, why didn't you pitch in spring training? But mm-hmm. I bet your answer would be like, well, I was trying to. Yeah, well, I didn't get into the game until like the fourth inning, because <laughs> yeah, that was behind the camera. <laughs> announcing. Yeah, it's, it's it is hard. Like even All Star Day, you probably noticed that too. Where for the players who have been there, Jack, I know you've been there. Um, you know, it's when Kyle, Daniel, and I are all in the game. 
it's stressful. Yeah, it's just hectic. trying to keep the flow of the game moving to where we're not like a burden on everybody else trying to make the video. But we also want to produce a great video for everybody. So that's obviously like a very big priority. So spring training 100% has that feel. And it's just our first time out there doing a full scale like video. So it's just a lot of a lot of rust to be knocked off and that kind of thing. But I think it prepared us very well for Sunday. Sunday went yeah, good. Sunday was very smooth. I Opening thought day went good. The, the day went pretty went fat went by pretty fast. I mm -hmm. thought, and we were very punctual. Got there very early. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a very successful day. Yeah, I agree. But like you said, it's just spring training for everyone. You got to work it, out the kinks. Yeah. It really is. It's yeah. better. It's better that it happened at spring training than the than oh, the rematch absolutely. of the World Series opening day. So absolutely. I mean that's important. Absolutely. I liked how you guys were just like subbing in whoever could announce. What's well, what I'm saying? Like, was like, that was hilarious. It was kind like, of funny. Jim, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy's like Jimmy started off pretty hot, and then he had like a. It was like guy in first and second, and he was mm -hmm. like full full count, bases loaded. <laughs> I'm first and second. I like that. Kyle I like that you guys were moving on the fly. Kyle probably left that in on purpose because it was kind of funny. But no, yeah. that was another thing, Jack. That was like miscommunication. I was under the understanding that, and I think this was talked about, but once again, things get said in passing, and like you need things really, really planned in advance or it doesn't go correctly. But in my head, I was supposed to start the game out so I could be behind the camera and then sub into the game. And when I stepped into the game, I wanted Kyle to come out of the game. But Kyle had started himself with nobody else on his bench, so no one could take Kyle's spot. So then, like, we didn't have a full-time announcer, and it was just another thing that went wrong. But once again, it uh, I think it kind of made it fun in a way, like having other guys jump in. And people actually liked it in the comments. They were saying, like, it's cool how people were jumping in. So yeah, you got to just – I liked it too. You can only control so much, and I always just try to, when things aren't going as the way as you plan, just, you know, keep the smile on your face, keep the energy up, and – uh you know, people notice that, and it's it, it was still fun. It was still a great video. It's performing well, and um, it was a good day at the Meadows. I can't uh, complain about it, and I think it was beneficial to those who showed up. You know what I mean? The players that were able to come, including some of the rookies, um, that first day out is uh, is big in terms of just getting experience, getting to know the people and make relationships with guys in the league. Um, a guy who stood out to me, actually, this year was uh, Jackson Pearson, coming off of a little bit of a rough World Series. Not horrible. He's a rookie. That was a big stage to be on. But uh, he homered in spring training, and I want to say it was actually a grand slam. Yeah, and, uh, uh, was it? Was it three hundred grand was slam? That the, was that the questionable double hit? Yes, yeah, this it was, was the double so hit weird. ball. So Very happened awkward sounding. I mean, I don't know exactly that, Jack. I think like it kind of jammed yeah, him was, in the yeah. handleish, and then as the barrel came around, he like got another piece of it and <laughs> drove it a mile. But um, good stuff. It was yeah. He had good quality at bats all day. It looked like he was seeing the ball very well. So uh, I was happy for Jackson. Good to see out of the out of the kid as he starts his sophomore campaign, and um, I think he's someone who definitely benefited from showing up. Yeah, for sure. I thought the uh, the the Diamond Cats, the Wild Backs. It was pretty <laughs> cool to see them play together, uh, just because they're just two star-studded lineups. But um, you know, Jimmy looked fantastic, obviously as to be expected. But I thought, like you said, it was cool to see some of the rookies get out there. Mm -hmm. Trey Flood. Um, he had some good at bats. I think he got a hit in there. Mm -hmm. um, and he also looked really good on the mound. He had some, I think he might have walked a couple guys early, but then, you know, had a, had a big strikeout. Um, his pitches were moving for sure. So, you know, as we talked about before in the draft recap, like that's a big pickup for the Diamondbacks. Mm -hmm. give, him, give him some more depth on the mound. Um, but he definitely stood out to me. Yeah, and I think just him and Landon both coming shows their dedication as well. 
And yeah, I thought Trey impressed me too on the mound, especially. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, that big strikeout he had. It's always good to see guys make big pitches under pressure. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, his first time in an MLW video, like a regular season. Or I guess it is preseason, but you know, a real MLW video, non-tournament. And um, you know, pitching against his buddy, end of the game, game on the line type thing, and he and he got the strikeout. So that was that's got to be good to see if you're a Diamondbacks fan. I think what impressed me the most about Trey was his confidence. He mm-hmm. came in with his stuff, and he was confident right away. You could tell that with his pitches, yeah, he was going to bring it to you. He was so accurate on the mound, it blew me away. Because usually it takes an adjustment period for these pitchers, but uh, Landon too. I I was impressed with him. Uh, even though he only got a few at bats, uh, it seemed like he has really quick hands, and I think he'll adjust quick. So, uh, yeah, I I I think the rookies really impressed me. Mm-hmm. Speaking of accuracy on the mound, how did you feel out there, Dan? Uh, first inning, I was doing fine. Second inning, not nearly as fine. But Dan, I was proud of you for staying out You've there. Been no, there. yeah, I I I so much. I I really wanted to just pull myself and bring in Jorgie, but I told myself this is spring training. I got to mm-hmm. work out the kinks. This is what it's meant to do. So I stuck stuck it out there. I should have caught that pop fly. If I would have just caught that pop fly, I don't know if you remember in the video. Oh, that was, it was a tough off one. my left hand. I, it was in my hand. We would have been out of that inning with just one run, mm-hmm. and I would have felt so much better about my performance. But that scored two, so I let up three in two innings. But it could have been worse. Could have been better. It's all right. No, yeah, I made a comment while commentating the game um, from behind the camera, like he's staying out there because yeah, that is beneficial for Daniel. Um, in spring yeah. training, you can be a little bit selfish. You can yeah. stay on the mound even when you're struggling because. You know, when you need to make those big pitches come game day in your first series, Daniel, against the Magic, um, you yeah. don't need to do it. That, so. That's why I kind of feel bad that you didn't get to pitch because I feel like like you haven't pitched too much in the last year. Mm-hmm. I feel like you really needed to work out the kinks. I, know, I feel I like you really to, deserved a chance in spring training. I, I wanted to, but it didn't work out. And um, I'll put in the work, though. I'll, I'll get out and pitch for sure several times before our, our, uh, yeah. our first series for the Mallards. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, overall, good day. Like I said, weather was excellent and uh, good video. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, but that's just a that's just a sneak peek as a to what's to come. Yeah, just a <laughs> glimpse of what opening day is sure to bring you guys, just from the production value, the gameplay. Um, a big addition, as you guys probably saw if you're following us on Instagram, um, was the turf to the batter's boxes and the mound. Jack, I'm sure you saw photos of that. Um, I think I think you like the looks of it. I did. The turf looks sweet. It looks very crisp. Um, I mean, you guys can't really. I feel like you guys can't tell uh, from the videos as much, but like as a right-handed batter, since the majority of hitters in the league are obviously right-handed. So like being a right-handed batter standing in that box, like especially after a long series and we don't, you know, have the the dirt refilled in there, like it gets pretty worn down. And I think that turf addition, um, you know, I don't know how much it'll translate to like success at the plate, but just in terms of being comfortable and like having your footing, I think that was, I don't know whose idea that was, but I think it was a, a very smart addition to the Meadows. <laughs> yeah, I um, I agree with you. And uh, it was not an easy task, though, Jack. Let me tell you, things like that, just little things, it's kind of how everything goes, but it can just turn into logistical, not nightmares, but a lot of work logistically. So we had that idea, I'd say January, February time frame. We had a lot of concerns, you know, about... Um, playing conditions, looks on camera, player safety, all these types of things, um, just game pl- effects on gameplay, that kind of thing. And so what we ended up having to do, first of all, 
So I actually reached out to like four or five different potential suppliers for this turf while I was in Germany. So I was sending these emails out from Germany. And these people would then call me in the middle of the night and leave a voicemail because it would be six hours off of American time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then one of the companies I got in contact with, and he's like, okay, I'll send you a sample. And it'll be there the Monday you get home from Germany. I'm like, all right, excellent. So I get home from Germany. I got no turf sample, Jack. And this is like this is like uh, April 1st, I think. This is like the first week of April, like April 3rd or something like that. Because the plan was to have this before spring training. We wanted it there for spring training too. But things happen once again. So then I don't have a sample. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, still no sample. So I'm call, I call the guy and I'm like, hey, uh, can I get like a tracking number for this? Like what's, what's the ETA yeah. here? Because we need to move quickly. Like once I have the sample, I want to order the next day. You know what I mean? So then he's like, well, uh, he's like, I can't find a tracking number. Let me just send you a new one. And I'm like, this one, it never gets sent. Like, what do you mean what? you can't find a tracking number? He's like, I'll overnight it to you. Well, the overnight shipping then took like three or four days. So now it's like about, I think it's the, about a week and a day before spring training. And I'm like, okay, we like it. I need it. I want it by this day, like the Friday before spring training. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't do it. And I was like, and he's like, it'll be probably like two or three weeks. And I'm like, no. I was like, we need this for opening day. I was like, it has to be. I gave him like a drop dead date. And I'm like, it has to be here this day. He's like, let me see what I can do. So he, he calls me back later. He's like, yeah, I can make it happen, whatever. So I just, we just sent it right away. As soon as he said he could do it, we got the order in. It shipped out the next day. And um, the turf arrived to my house on a semi truck in Brighton on Thursday. Opening day was Sunday, so barely in time. Yeah. And this is coming in a giant, just one giant piece, Jack. Yeah. So then Friday night, me and Kyle were in my driveway for like three hours, measuring these exact dimensions we wanted. I had a box cutter. I cut yep. the turf exactly how we wanted it to. And then Saturday, Dan, I'm not exaggerating, what, three Dude, and a half hours? It was longer than that. Are you kidding me? No, 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 but for the, wow. turf, the turf only. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Hey, maybe those batter's four, boxes yeah, were high pressure, Jack, because you paint those on and they're wrong, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you can't redo those. So, uh, so you guys painted the, yes, the boxes yes, on? Yes, that that's oh. our spray paint. It was just pure red. Wow, okay. And then right. they looked good, didn't they? They looked really good. I thought it just <laughs> can't. I, I'm yeah, thinking. It, it looks factory. My, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally, I saw that picture and I was like, oh, like these guys just. Bots like yeah. ca- ca- like called someone and it's just like they just rolled it out and just put it oh, down Jack, like no I big wish, deal. I wish a lot of measuring, easy. a lot of hard yeah, work. I was just I knew every angle had to be a perfect <laughs> right angle. We needed lines that yeah. were parallel. We yep. had exact MLB batter's box dimensions centered on that piece of turf. Like I was like stressing to Kyle and Daniel I'm like once you start spraying that paint there's no going back. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. on there. Yeah. But it turned well, out You guys did great. It, it turned out great. really good, but Part of the problem, too, is we were, we were at the Meadows prior to opening day that Saturday, like from about 1 to 7, about a six-hour day. Would have only been like a five-hour day, but then we're just waiting on that paint to dry and dry, and I was scared to load it into my car, which is a new car, by the way, and get wet paint in my car and all over the mat. It was just stressful, but we rolled it out on Sunday. It still looked good, and I was like, thank God. It was a big stress nice. reliever. That was uh, stressful, but um, overall, it turned out phenomenal. All the players liked it. I also had to level out the ground jack because, as you know, the mound was always, like, in a hole. Batter's boxes, right. too. So me and Dan were shoveling for an hour, moving dirt around, getting yeah. those, that ground as level as possible. It's still not perfect level, but so it's leap, a leaps, lot better. leaps and bounds above where it was, as you can probably tell. So the players liked it? I didn't get any complaints uh, yet. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, were there any complaints? 
I'm really glad it worked out. And I asked Jimmy like what he thought about it because I was curious mm-hmm. at Chili's, and he said uh, he, that he loved it. He had no problem with it. The only thing that he said, which was kind of interesting, and I think Kyle too as well, like the only thing is he couldn't like d- he liked digging into the dirt. Like I don't know, maybe get a better footing or just like maybe mm. like a psychological thing. Okay. Um, and it's probably the same thing on the mound, but like I still think like the turf is leaps better than the dirt. Honestly, it just is also yeah. lower mate. It takes a while to move in and out each time, but like it's lower yeah. maintenance. Like especially pitching, I hate like when like the opponent has like a like the pitcher has like big cleats and then there's a huge divot. Yeah, I just hate pitching with the that huge divot. Um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I, yeah I, I think it just makes it more equal overall. Yeah. To like echo your point, Dan. Yeah. And I was surprised too. I'm expecting to have to do maintenance to the field throughout the year to keep that ground level as it gets more and more worn down, even underneath the mats. But it didn't it didn't budge. I mean, yesterday no. we took it off, it still looked level. So I was surprised there. But So here here would be my follow up question. Like, what's mm-hmm. the how much is the turf like raised off the ground? Because I'm thinking like someone's running home. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way that anyone's ever gonna like True. Not that it's even really advantageous anyway, but yeah, like sliding in or like, is is there risk of someone like so, tripping as they're coming into home? That was a big concern, especially from Mr. Kamish about the, the slideability of yeah. the turf. Mm-hmm. That was that one of their considerations when we were choosing our supplier. But we think it's slide proof in terms of the way we have it positioned on the ground. It's pretty level with the ground. The carpet's not as thick as you'd think it would be. It's thick enough to be durable, but not like over the top where it's crazy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have it staked in, it's in position, but, uh, until we see someone take the leap of faith and slide into home plate, it's, uh, it's up for debate, I guess. Um, I practiced sliding in it once. It seemed really Yeah, nice we have, me. we have practiced it, but never, never ga- full game speed. Um, yeah, true. I will say that I told this to Daniel and Kyle, not many people slide into home plate in our league because yeah. sliding into second base and third base. Yes. Cause you have to slow yourself down. You can't overrun the bag and there could mm. be like a close player trying to avoid or whatever. But at home plate, usually it's a foot race between you and the ball, like the ball getting to the backstop and you trying to make the yeah. home plate. So you're actually better off sprinting through the bag. Yeah, so, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, I don't even know if it's advantageous really to slide, but well, I feel like people Dan, have slid. Dan, yeah. Dan yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I know this best. It's safe to say that I probably won't be sliding home anymore after what happened with Georgie and the yeah, NLDS. Year, yeah, last year against the Gators, Dan slid into home plate. Um, it probably just out of habit, mostly, Daniel. Yeah, it was baseball. baseball instinct. Yeah, 100%. exactly. So it was a close play. Dan slid into home, and the ball like hit him in the shin. Whereas if Dan just sprinted through the bag, he would have been safe 100%. It also, yeah. it also hurt my leg. Like yeah. it, was, it was gross. <laughs> it was really yeah. bad. That's what I was telling to Kyle. He's like, it's going to hurt to slide on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it'd be better than the rocky dirt we used yeah, to have. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's true. 100%. That's true. I was like, turf burns expected, but yeah. uh, only to an extent. So. Overall, we're pleased with how it turned out, and um, just like me being behind the camera yesterday, it just looks so nice on the field too. So it's a win-win. Like it's aesthetically yeah. nicer, um, it's nicer to play on, and we're just excited to take that next step at the Meadows. I don't know what else to say about it much, really. Good stuff. I thought it looks great. Good. I'm actually thoroughly shocked that you guys were the ones who. I'm not shocked because I know you guys have excellent talent, but I'm impressed that you actually painted that on. I <laughs> I literally thought that was like factory roll-up. Jack. Don't ever underestimate me, man. You gotta estimate me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just I'm impressed. <laughs> no, it turned out we were peeling off because once again, um, like when I was peeling back the tape next to the lines where it was, I was like, wow, this is crisp. Like it turned <laughs> it turned out really It was good. really satisfying. Honestly. It was very satisfying. <laughs> but uh to be honest with you guys, wouldn't recommend it. Just buy yourself some mats and then maybe yeah. don't slide on it, whatever. But 
hey, we go above and beyond here at the MLW Wiffle Ball LLC. That's what you, that's what you get from us. So um, turned out good. I can't complain. And with that, it is now time for today's Q of the Day. Q. 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 Q of the Day. Thank you all for your Q of the Day submissions. And if you'd like to get in on the fun, please submit your questions to at MLW's DMs on Instagram. Today's question comes from Trevor. And uh, I thought it was relevant today because we have this same matchup coming up here for opening day. And he says, going back to the last World Series between the D-backs and the Cats, Schultz was dominant against the D-backs in Game 1 and still chose to go to Sailor in Game 2, a game that the Wildcats ultimately lost. If Schultz pitches Game 2 and leaves Sailor for Game 3, does it change the outcome of the World Series in your guys' opinion? Any thoughts, Dan? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ifs and buts you could do. Like, the game would be completely different, I'm sure, if Kyle pitched. But, I mean, there's no way to know for sure. But I, I do say, like, and I also don't want to, like, do, like, hindsight bias. Like, mm-hmm. yes, this would have happened. But, like, I think it's best to do what Kyle did. Like, it's a good change of pace to do Kyle. And then kind of like Nick, who's a totally different type of pitcher, you know, mm-hmm. more accurate, you know, off speed. So I think it's a good change of pace, and I I, I, would, I would stick with Kyle's uh, mindset on that. What about you, Jack? Yeah, I think, um, well, for one, I think Kyle, one of his main reasons behind it was just that, like, Nick earned that. Like, his statistics and his performance throughout the year, he definitely, you know, that's what Kyle was doing all year was going to him in, the, in game two. So I think he deserved that. Um, I don't think it really would have changed that series, you know, the the thing is is if Kyle keeps going and it's pretty much just him out there on the mound, you know, the Diamondbacks are yeah. a really good hitting organization and they adapt. Mm-hmm. So like Dan was saying, you know, that change of pace um might have even helped them. Like even though they lost that game too, you know, it might have given them more of a boost when Kyle did come out and pitch again. Um just so that the Diamondbacks, you know, weren't getting as used to Kyle. But you know, those teams were so close. Like if you play that series 10 times, it might be five and five. It might be six and four. Like I agree. either way, it's so close. It's so, so tough to say like, Oh, you know, if this, you know, what would have happened? But I, at the end of the day, like I, I think Kyle would have made that decision 10 times out of 10, you know, if they played that series 10 times. So. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you, Jack. Um, I like how Daniel mentioned the statistics of Nick Saylor how well he performed last year. Um, I think he really did, you know, earn that I think spot. that was Jack, but okay. <laughs> I don't want to take credit for that. Okay, good. <laughs> so, J- as Jack said, um, the statistics of Nick Saylor were so good last year, it was hard to, you know, you don't want to leave that guy on the bench and not use him as such a valuable arm. And um, I think, once again, to reiterate what Jack was saying, if Kyle stays out there, even though maybe he's able to get a couple more outs, in the short term, I think long term that really hurts the Cats in that series. Yeah. Just as the D-backs get more and more at-bats off of Kyle, they're getting more and more comfortable. Going from Kyle to Nick to Kyle to Nick to Kyle, like that can really keep hitters off balance a lot more effectively than just maybe your better pitcher, for lack of a better word. Um, so I will say this, though. I think the regret amongst the Wildcats organization, I never asked Nick about this, though, is the whole, oh, you should have walked me moment where – Nick decides to pitch to Jimmy. Jimmy goes yard, and that's how they won game two. Because um, as you guys saw in the documentary, uh, there was a mound beating between the Wildcats, and Kyle was telling Sailor, you know, what do you, you want to do here? Should we walk Jimmy? 
Sailor wanted the ball, and I love the confidence out of the kid, but maybe, just maybe, uh, that game would have went a different way if he uh, didn't pitch to Jimmy. So that'd be the only thing that I would say that the Wildcats would want to change looking back at game two. That's a that's a valid point, I think. The only other piece that I would sort of uh, back Kyle up on in his decision is, you know, it might not seem like a big deal to the fans watching, but pitching that many games in a row does kind of take a toll on you. So mm-hmm. having one less game, since those games are, that series is played two days back to back. Like having one less game for Kyle to pitch, I think, and I think he would agree, probably helped him on day two. So, you know, if he pitches, if he pitches game two, like maybe they're able to win that, but it might go, it might go south on day two. You know what I mean? If his arms, if his arms gassed out. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's something to consider. I think looking back on it, it's easy to point fingers and say shoulda, woulda, coulda, but um, you don't really need to because the Wildcats are going to be in a very similar predicament in opening day playing the same D-backs team, yep. same pitching staff for the Wildcats. I mean, what do you do if you're them on opening day? Do you start Sailor game one, Kyle? Do you have Kyle go two, then Sailor three? Do you do – I mean, that's a decision that has to be made. So it's, it's very fluid, and um, I'm interested to see what they do. So I don't know. Who do you think, like, the Diamondbacks saw better in the World Series, and who would you feel more confident putting on the mound on opening day, Dan? Uh Again, I think you have to do, yeah, I mean, obviously Kyle game one, and then I would do the change of pace, Sailor game two, and then really from there, just take it as, like, who's doing better. I don't think you should make up your mind before the series. Like, I think you need to adjust as Mm -hmm. the series goes on. Who's more effective? Okay. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Kyle, uh, like a lot of managers, probably takes that approach that, that Dan's saying where, um, you know, some guys might have it penciled in like, hey, we're going to do this game one and do this game two. But I feel like a lot of management comes from just feel like feeling out the the game, the atmosphere, the matchup. So I would imagine that Kyle starts game one. Um, and then depending on how that goes, um, maybe if they win that, he, you know, and he's feeling really good. He wants to lock up the series and pitch game two. That's possible. Um, but he might also go, you know, the change of pace and maybe even Sailor picks up that dub and potentially they could sweep if he pitches game three. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think it's more just like kind of evaluating on the fly. But I'm interested to see what he does because we've talked a lot about Nick Sailor um, on this podcast, especially his, um, you know, obviously everyone knows his hitting, but his mm-hmm. pitching is is really a spectacle. And we've talked about it. So I'm really personally keen on um you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does this year on the mound. I agree. It's uh, I If I had to put money on one thing happening, Jack, I would say that Sailor's ERA does go up this year just because, Yeah. I mean, his stuff is... It doesn't have a lot of room to go down. It so. definitely doesn't have a lot of room to go down. <laughs> but um, even doing, again, this year what he did last year would just blow my mind even more because, I don't know, it's just I just feel like hitters in this league are bound to get around to him at some point. His stuff isn't that nasty, but the kid can locate... So we'll see, Sailor. I know he always, he always seems to keep me off balance. So uh, I guess we'll we'll wait and see. But um, I had a question for you too, Jack. As someone who, I wouldn't really call yourself a pitcher. I know you have that nasty duck hook in your arsenal, but oh, yeah. you, you mostly are uh, playing in the outfield. So, in terms of managing your staff and your pitching staff, as your team's captain, as your team's manager, are you heavily involved in that, or do you really let like Chadwick and Bonham handle that discussion? Do you that, trust that's, them? That's a good question. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I I wouldn't say it's like democratic in the sense where like everyone gets a vote because at the end of the day, like I I will, you know, make the call. Mm -hmm. But I do heavily value their input. And like you said, I don't really know much about pitching. Like I can see what's happening out in front of me. But if, you know, Chadwick comes up and he's telling me something I wouldn't really notice while playing, you know, maybe he's like, you know, doesn't feel as good or thinks that Trevor would be, you know, a better matchup, like that type of thing. Like I definitely weigh their inputs and ultimately make them the best decision. But like it would be tough for me not being a pitcher to just kind of like ignore whatever they have to say and just like make the call, not Mm -hmm. only for like managerial reasons, but just like morale on a team in my opinion um so that's why i definitely take those those guys uh they're you know i take their input very heavily when making those decisions yeah it's hard i mean it's such a small team but you you still need a leader and i think um you know to be honest i think some guys in this league do a better job than others at managing their squads and i'm mostly pointing the finger at myself um i think it's uh you just gotta have a balance of when to take when to take charge versus when to uh let uh, let your guys' confidence make the decisions for you type of thing. So something I need to improve on a lot this year, I think, especially as um, it's just been a big transition for me, moving to playing with my friends and, you know, being the, the ace on the team and being that guy versus managing, you know, a staff of talent. It's a lot different. So, um, yeah, it's something to consider for myself, I guess, moving into the 2022 season. I have a lot of trouble saying that word if you guys didn't know. <laughs> Dirty Dan. What's up, Tom? Putting you in the hot seat. All People right. want to hear from you. Do uh, they? I, yeah, I get messages every day. How's Dan? Why doesn't he text you back? Why doesn't he call you? <laughs> These are things that people want to know, Dan. Um, so, and the reason I actually wanted to talk to you about this specifically is because I got another Q of the Day request, which is something we've already talked about, but about like, it was from a high school senior who was like, any advice for someone going into college and taking that next step type of thing. So, uh, yeah. you're two years in now, Dan. What, what have you learned so far about the, the college life? I, mean, I feel like now I, think I was just in your shoes. Now I'm just some old time. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much I've learned. To be honest, I still feel like I'm in high school. It's crazy that two years have already gone by. Although I don't know. I feel like I have experienced a lot because my freshman year was, you know, mm-hmm. I was in the, you know, first semester I was in the dorms, but it wasn't in-person classes. Then second semester was all of a sudden totally virtual classes, and finally sophomore year I actually had a real you know, real year of college. Um, so I would say, like, honestly, last year, it felt like my freshman year, which is just weird. But you're already two years in. I know. It kind of stinks in a way, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to think back. It's it's such a blur. Like, it's a, like a lot of things in life. It goes by so fast, and you're so, you're so busy. And Yeah, um, that's very busy. There's, at least for me, as an engineering student, I had, you know, busy weeks, and I had weeks that were not so busy. It wasn't, like, awful i had some weeks where i was just totally miserable but other weeks where i was kind of chilling um it really depended for me i'd say like one week out of a month out of a given month that has four weeks or whatever i'd say usually one of those weeks i was in like kind of a low with like not like little to no exams yeah no big projects but like i was always still busy relatively but like enough free time to like watch some netflix or like go out or whatever that kind of thing so i'd say definitely um, but it does go by fast because it's so jumbled. I think if I had one piece of advice is that to be successful in college, you have to be organized and you have to plan your schedules out like way in advance, like a week or two in advance. You gotta, you have to know what's coming up in your schedule 
you can't just be blindsided like, oh, I have, geez, I have an exam tomorrow. Like, you have to be, you have to be ready, you have to be prepared, and yeah, but it's tough. And sometimes you can't afford to get ahead, though. Sometimes you're you're in yeah. so deep that like it's like every day you're just like have a deadline to meet, and then it's like the next thing. That's how my like senior year was, bro. Like I was talking to Ward about this. Congratulations to Ward for graduating, by the way. But, like senior year, I was just so locked in, and like. It was I was like a machine, dude. I had so much work, and I had like classes that were literally having quizzes weekly, and it was just I was just grinding, bro. Yeah, that sucks. I literally wake up, work out, and just go like sun up till sundown. It was just so busy. Uh, that's honestly I was the president of a club, like wiffle ball. It was just like it was a beautiful mess, to be honest. I always make the joke to myself that like in finals week or like the end of the semester in college, I always just say it's survive in advance. Just get through each day. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, you, you realize that fine. though, as Jack is listening to us, he's like, these guys have absolutely no idea. <laughs> as Jack is a D one athlete. Oh my god, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Let's get yeah. I mean, Jack, his schedule's gonna be way harder. Do you have any free time ever? Or yeah. Not really. Well, it's so funny uh, how like you're talking about just being locked in and like almost just like getting through the day at mm -hmm. times like this year especially getting my masters like more than ever and playing lacrosse like it's really just like what do i gotta do like today yeah, like what exactly. do i have to get in by like midnight mm -hmm. to like yeah. be all right That's and crazy. it's just like funny because people like my parents or like my girlfriend will like ask me my plans like for this day or <laughs> yeah. that day i'm like i'm just like i'm trying to get to wednesday <laughs> like i'm sorry I'm so but like I, I don't have anything for you so it's just it's funny that you that you like brought that up but yeah that would be my insight um jack do you like love that in a way or do you like hate it or is it like kind of a love-hate thing like just always just foot on the um, ass so busy yeah i mean it definitely gets to a point where it's kind of like man i really would love just a day to like do absolutely nothing which mm -hmm. those days do um eventually come and um are awesome when they do but i think it would be a lot more miserable if i had nothing to do like all the time if that makes any sense like it's almost it's almost more like it's better to be uh busy than bored i guess would be the way i would put it like if i didn't have all this stuff to do i could probably um come up with like new different hobbies to keep me active but mm -hmm. like i enjoy lacrosse and education is important and like i'm spending a lot of time with my friends obviously through lacrosse so like yep. i wouldn't really i wouldn't really change it um it's just kind of like part of what you got to do at this point you know yeah i mean i feel you dude um my maybe yeah, my advice for anyone going into college is yeah like budget your time to where i guess there is like free time budgeted in but yeah don't be bored i had a roommate noah who like i feel like he was miserable because he was so bored our freshman year he wasn't like involved in enough and his classes weren't challenging enough that'll drive you nuts i mean yeah. being busy is a grind but in a different way you know what i mean mm -hmm. i have a couple specific weeks in college that i remember just being like so crazy i mean i can recall one specifically junior year and if i can even remember like everything that i had to do it was it was nuts but it was essentially like three exams. I had one long form lab report, which ended up being like 34 pages, formal report. And then I had my friends decided to come to state that weekend for God knows why. <laughs> so I was literally like waking up at seven o'clock to do homework to like 6 p.m. and then go out with them at night. And that was like three or four days in a row. It was like oh, that man. was the most I've ever like <laughs> I was literally just going crazy. But 
at the end, at, at the same time though, like those are the nights like I sleep the best and I feel like I accomplished the most. You know what I mean? And yeah, I feel, for sure. And I feel the same way about, I mentioned this before about when I was doing the video podcast because that was kind of the same way those three or four days when I edited that. It was, you know, wake up at 5.30, go to the gym, work from 8 to 5, then video podcast from 5.30 till 11. I did that three nights in a row. And yeah, it was exhausting. But like, I just like felt in a better mood. Like, I can't explain it. Like, I was so exhausted and so miserable with air quotes around it but at the same time like it was awesome you know what i mean you just when i'm not doing stuff like that i just like i lay in bed and i'm like what am i doing like you know what i mean it's like i just feel sure. horrible about myself i don't know yep the other the other cool part the cool experience of college is is living on your own so dan two years into this now what would you that's what true. would you say is like your favorite part about maybe you know living away from home and also your least favorite that's true. Uh, honestly, I would say, like, first of all, like, I'm definitely thankful and blessed. Like, my roommates, uh, I, I live with two other friends. Like, they're very easy to live with. Uh, and so, like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, they have, you know, gripes with the people they live with. Like, people don't clean the dishes. People don't, you know, clean. I feel like our For house sure. is always very, you know, you know, clean. And so that's not a problem, thankfully. So that's probably the best thing. And I, the best thing is just, like, you, I can do whatever I want. You know, I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, what, my parents like doing chores or something. I can make my own schedule, cook my own food, can do whatever I want. But um, in terms of, do you think, do you think your eating habits have gone south? Because that's a lot of, that's a problem for a lot of college students. Uh, I would say so. I'm on a dining plan, di uh, meal plan, like a dining hall, which like I'm sure for a lot of kids, because it's like all you can eat buffet. So like I'm sure a lot of kids. Like get, you get that freshman fifteen getting fat, <laughs> but uh, honestly, like for me, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, I don't know why, but um, yeah, I don't think that's been a problem for me. Cause you respect nutrition, that's why, Dan. <laughs> he does. Dan's a smart kid. Um, he knows his. He knows his uh, food pyramid, his food tables. I think I want to say too. This is important, at least in hindsight, a lot. And I did do this to an extent, but like. College is a great time to try to, like, explore new hobbies or... Because, like, for the most part, you might have a job, like, at helping to pay your tuition or whatever. But usually, um, kids are either, like, getting loans to pay for their school or their parents are helping them out. Like, you're usually not, like, that financially um, strained for s some kids. Not A lot of kids are so strained, like, they can't even go to school. Or they're, like, working two jobs. It's, it's a lot of different. But if you're in a position to where you're financially okay... Try with that free time, like I said, don't allow yourself to just be watching Netflix all the time and bored. Like, go meet people, yeah. try new hobbies. Like, maybe like think about like a business you'd want to start, like an entrepreneurial plan, like learn a new skill. Like, because once you graduate and you're working and you have like a significant other a relationship or like things to do, like a house to fix up, you're not going to have the time or the, the money to do that. Like, the most valuable asset you have in life is the time. And in college, I promise you, if you're not a lacrosse player like Jack, you will have time. I mean, I was an engineer, which is unbiasedly like one of the harder undergrads you can do, mechanical engineering. And trust me, there was still enough free time for me to do a lot of cool things. So like, don't waste that because you will not have that once you're older. And if you do, like, it, it won't be the same. It won't be as chill. You're not going to be as young. You're not going to be as hungry. It's just such a crucial time. Like a lot of people you know, like who are young and successful, like musicians, YouTubers, they started that in college when they had their free time. They used their free time effectively.
So I would say true. Yeah, start. Yeah. Don't be afraid to try new things in, in your, in your free time that you're going to have. Cause like you said, you know, at home now I'm still living at home just this morning. I got out of bed and my dad's, you know, hands on the hips, looking out the window. <laughs> Tom, we got to get new mulch down. Like things like that happen when you're at school. <laughs> that does not, no one's bothering you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just you. Yeah. yeah. You have your friends, but you can make your own free time. So if you want to pick up a new hobby, whatever you want to start streaming YouTube, that is the time to do it. I promise you. You pick anything up now, any cool hobbies, anything you learn maybe about yourself or just about life in your free time. Uh, I don't know. I tried to join a couple, a yeah, couple Dan, clubs. Come on, don't don't be humble. He's yeah, come on. He's sports writing now. Yeah, no, yeah. Baseball stats. I would say writing. that's probably the coolest thing. I the the baseball analytics club I joined is really cool. Really cool group of guys, and I enjoy uh, writing for them, attending those meetings. So that's really fun. But I do always say to myself, like, am I involved enough? Like, is there something else out there I need to join? Um, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a future issue. Maybe I'll join another club this year, but for now I think I'm good. But no, like that's a real skill. You're learning though, how to write. Yeah. Like publishing. Yeah, writing. For sure. And that's just as valuable as stuff you're going to learn in a class. Like the stuff that you do in your spare time is, can be just, if not more valuable than what you do in the classroom. I mean, the majority of MLW's growth happened while Kyle was in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we went from 40,000 subs to 180,000 subs. You know what I mean? Like, that's a huge difference. That was during school. You can make it happen. And we both were successful and got, you know, good GPAs and our degrees and stuff like that. Like, that's, it's very doable if you stay dedicated, find a goal. Yeah, if you're not working out already, good time to start working out. You'll have time to do that. Just, yeah, just explore that, that's a lot of That's probably somewhere I need to, I have not, <laughs> especially when school got heavy. I feel like I didn't. I did not exercise enough, and I was not working out at all. Like my really, my only form of exercise during these during the semester was basketball, which is good exercise. It though. is good. That's good. But like that was it. Like so, maybe that's a junior year I can tackle that issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. I um, I had one more comment I wanted to make. Oh, I was gonna say too, senior year. Um, I lived in a house with my friends at Michigan State. Um, and you know I cooked three meals a day for myself. Another valuable thing in life you're going to need. Learn how to cook a little bit. I'm talking to you, Dan. Yep. Yeah, that's also another issue. I, yeah. I cannot cook. You got I'm not, it. I'm not a good cook. I would literally do like a, what are they called? There's like a, like a no. Are you still in the dorms though, Dan? No, I I, oh, okay. I have a house. Thank oh, you, you got no excuse then. You got to start yeah, learning you gotta how to get cook. You got to get in the I, kitchen, Dan. <laughs> Cooking and cleaning. Yeah. I mean, my meals were so simple. Like a chicken breast, rice, and a vegetable. But like, I'm telling you, just, it's it's valuable. Dude, you need to learn. Time how to sh- is learn, money, man. Learn how to shop. Time yeah, is money. I'd rather be doing something different. How much time does it take for you to go to the dining hall and get your food, though, Dan? Dude, it's a swipe and I'm in. Yeah, but then you gotta go. You gotta get your food, sit down. It eat, takes five supplies. minutes. It probably took me in, in order to cook, like prep, cook, and clean and eat. I taste less than an hour. That's dude. That's an hour. That's an hour I could be. What are you studying? doing with that hour? hour I could Dan? be watching a show. Okay, an watching hour. a show. There it is, guys. <laughs> learn how to cook. <laughs> But I, I hope you listeners have a, a pen and paper at the very least, because we are just dropping wisdom bombs on the Pipe It Up podcast. Yeah, but you also usual. you also got to go through things yourself. Don't think we know it all or anything like that. That's um, real wisdom right there. You got to do it yourself. See, you. right. Yeah. Just dropping more wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I honestly think that the um, you do need to experience things for yourself in life. That's how you learn and things stick the most. But. There is a lot of information out there, so don't uh, 
when someone uh, who's successful is talking, not saying that's me at all, but people out there who have really made an impact in the world, there's plenty of interviews out there and videos of them doing keynotes or whatever. Listen to what they're saying and pick up on that kind of stuff and then apply it to your own life. But, yeah, I think a lot of it's trial and error, and I think my best piece of advice I gave in the last 15 minutes is, yeah, just uh, utilizing the free time. You never know what kind of momentum you might make for yourself and um, other doorways you might open up for yourself outside of just what your degree has to offer. So that's pretty much it for me. So I guess it was turned into a double cue of the day. But I didn't want to divert, even though we talked for 15 minutes about that topic, I didn't want to divert too much from what's at stake here for MLW the 2022 season, it's going to be unbelievable. Um, eight teams, so much talent, eight new draft picks. Uh, I can't hype it up much more, guys. The trailer spoke for itself. The hype is immaculate. Um, the series was fire. Video's going to be fire. New merch coming this weekend. I mean, Jack, what are your thoughts, man? Are you How excited are you? I'm stoked. I'm going to be... I'm going to be honest here. I did not tune in to the Instagram live. Okay. But I think that is an opportunity for me to make an unbiased prediction that is, on the series. It absolutely is. Am I allowed to do that? Absolutely. Because you guys already know the series result, we right? We do. I was, yeah. I was there. Yep. My series prediction is going to be 2-1 Wildcats. 2-1 wow. Wildcats. That That's my Mr. prediction. Agno. Okay. And with that, we will wrap it up, I think, Jack. Uh, we'll have to uh, revisit that prediction next week. I, um, it's two evenly matched teams, man. I'm excited to see them go at it. I hope to see some of the rookies get out there. And uh, just whatever you're doing in life, wherever you're at right now, whether it's college, high school, middle school, or if you have a wife and three kids, or you are the wife with three kids, <laughs> drop what you're doing Friday at 4 p.m. and tune in to MLW Football on YouTube. Do not miss it. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Let's go. As a right-handed batter, since the majority of people... Ladies and gentlemen, we lost him. Oh, am I back?